and welcome to this episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about just one big game, and it's going to be Mahjong. And who's going to tell us about it? It's going to be Quinton Smith. Hi, Tom Brewster. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. We're recording a podcast, and I'm... Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, you know what? Let's keep this, because it's hilarious. So, uh, actually, this is... A theme of failure might run throughout this this uh, podcast <laughs> because what Tom is not telling you there in his nice intro that's bigging me up is that this is a podcast we are doing in lieu of my big Mahjong video review, right? Mm-hmm. So Tom, I don't mind peeling back the vinyl and telling the good people at home. They've been good to me over the years listening to the podcast and watching videos. So they deserve a bit of truth. The truth is I f***ed this video. I just... <laughs> I, so if you've been watching the channel recently, you might have seen, um, we've done some uh, quite popular videos on games like uh, Go. Um, our, my Go video review uh, got a cool half a million views. Imagine wow. that. Wow. Half a million. Uh, that's, that's so many. Cool. And I've also been, you know, quite interested in some classic card games. You can see that on the series we've done on Shut Up and Sit Down, card games that don't suck. And we also took a look at classic dexterity games like Crocodile, which also did really good traffic for us. So I thought, I know a classic game that we've never looked at. It's Mahjong, um, popular in all sorts of Asian countries and America. Um, it's the classic clacky tile gambling game um, that originated <laughs> in China about 200 years ago. That's what it and says on the box. The classic it, it, clacky tile laying gambling game. <laughs> the, the, it does not say in the box uh, what year it came out because, interestingly, nobody knows. Oh. Um, yeah, it's maybe about 200 years old, but there are no historic records because Chinese rulers in the 19th century considered it indecent and corrupting and told basically all historians to keep it out of historical records to prevent the game from spreading. Wow. Um, and topically, actually, Tom, you don't know this, but in 2019, the current Chinese Communist Party did the same. They put a ban on video games that, among like other things, like video games that can show poker and they can't show blood, they said China will not you know, allow the sale of video games that depict Mahjong. So this huh. stuff is still going on. And let me tell you, there is no faster way to get my uh, interest and attention than by saying a game is indecent and corrupting. Um, <laughs> so I was amped. Um, I, I've realized that I, I, we haven't even done a sting. I've I've spilled this intro over and now it just we're back, we're into the podcast proper. Yeah, I know. I mean, normally what I do is I'd jokingly be like, "Well, let's put a sting in here," and then I put a sting in, and then I just come back to us talking normally. But maybe we just go stingless, you know? Oh, maybe we just roll free. I don't love that. I don't love that, man. There's something about a sting that makes me. It's like a chapter heading or something. It makes me feel like I've I've got a clean sheet of paper. Can I have a sting? Yeah. Okay. So, Quinns, we can't talk about history forever. We can't just be rambling about the history of Mahjong and what was going on back in the day. We want to talk about the here and now. We want to talk about the game that we played together. How do you play Mahjong? What is it? And why should people give it a try? Oh, great. Uh, that That's really set me on the right track. Well done, Tom. Um, so, actually, <laughs> I'll first do exactly what you say and explain roughly what Mahjong is and how it's played. But then I would like to um, tell our audience why... I had to abort the video review I was going to Yes. Because I think that's kind of an interesting discussion as well. Sure. All right, Mahjong, what is it? Well, you've probably seen it before. Um, it is a game which is usually played with four people sat around a table, and the table is covered in little clacky kind of rectangular tiles that are quite thick, 
Um, and you might have seen the, the the sort of image that exists in the cultural consciousness of people smearing these tiles around the table. So all four players for a total of eight hands, just like rocking these tiles back and forth in order to shuffle them in, the, in a big pile shuffle. That's mm-hmm. And it makes a wonderful noise. And actually, yes. I know I'm not allowed to talk about history, but this might be where Mahjong gets its name because Mahjong roughly translates as sparrow in uh, Mandarin. And it's uh, supposed that like the sound of people shuffling Mahjong tiles is the sound of... Uh, a flock of sparrows eating grain. That clack, 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 clack. Yeah, I mean, sure. It sounds but, just like bird. Uh, I mean, it, that, that's also a fact that might not even be true. Isn't history fun? <laughs> um, that's just apocryphal. So anyway, you've got, uh, so you've got a game of uh, 136 tiles, which is 34 different tiles that each appear in duplicates of four for a total of 136. And the game you're going to be playing with them is a melding game, kind of like uh, a game like Gin Rummy, if you've played that. Um, and not too dissimilar, actually, to Rummy Cub, which, Tom, you did a video review of on the on the channel uh, just recently. I did indeed. And I declared it in that video better than Mahjong. Did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, I didn't. I didn't say good. that. Okay. But I'm yeah, declaring that's... it now. Well, do you, so do you still think Rummy Cub is better than Mahjong? I had more fun playing Rummy Cub. Okay, well, all right. That's a that's a that's a diplomatic answer. Um, that's a that's a uh, that's a conversation for later. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, so <laughs> you've got all these tiles, and then the way it's going to work is that everyone draws a hand of thirteen tiles, um, of which you win the game by declaring mar- You get to declare mahjong if you turn this hand of tiles you've got into four sets and a pair. So it's kind of simple um, at the very very basic level. Um, on your turn, all you're going to do is reach into the big you know, a pile or walls of face down tiles in the middle of the table to draw yourself a new tile. So your hand of 13 tiles has gone up to 14, um, which is enough tiles to make four sets in a pair because the sets are three tiles each. But then after drawing, you have to discard a tile. So only on your turn when you've drawn a tile and you've briefly gone up to 14, only in that window can you win and then you go back down to 13. And then a lot of the strategy in Mahjong comes from the fact that at the instant that you discard a tile, that tile you go, hmm, I don't want this one, I can't use it, I don't think, or I don't want it, or I don't like the odds of being able to use it. Another player around the table can go, ooh, I'll have that actually, thank you, and hijack uh, sort of your turn. And this is one of my favorite things about Mahjong is that theoretically it's a game where you go clockwise or anti-clockwise, I forget, around the table with people taking their turn. Um, but uh, it, it ends up feeling more like a DJ scratching a record and going like, ooh, back to, back to Tom, you know, because if I take my turn and it would then go to the player to the right of me, and instead the player opposite me grabs the tile, the player to the right of me is skipped, and, uh, you know, the record sort of, like, skips a little bit. Um, Which is quite fun. It's just always funny to have a player who's about to take their turn, in fact, not get a turn. Um, Which is (laughs) weird to me, because usually Shut Up and Sit Down, um, like, one of the the Hall of Fame awful mechanics that everybody hates is skip a turn. Mm. But in Mahjong, it's actually quite fun. Go figure. I don't know. It's fun, Uh, well, it's fun for everyone else. I think it's hilarious. I mean, I even, I don't know. This You I loved it, it happening to you. Well, I didn't love it, but I, <laughs> I, I did enjoy grunting in annoyance and hearing everyone else laugh at my misfortune. That was, that was yes. good. Um, so, uh, oh God, you know that we could even stop there and say those are the basics of Mahjong. It's a game where mm-hmm. you draw a tile and then you're, you're trying to make sets which are either, you know, runs of like three, four, five or three of a kind or even four of a kind, which has its own rules. Um, and then you're trying to also think about what you discard because there are tiles in the game that are so good that you kind of want to discard them early because the rule is that other players can only pick up tiles if they can use them to complete a set. Mm. So you have this window in Mahjong where um, if you've got a tile that you don't want but someone else around the table probably will eventually 
Um, you got to get rid of that stuff early because if you get rid of it late, someone will definitely snaffle it up. I, um, I really love that there's this like, because you know, like if you've got two of a set and you know that the other two of a set is like out there somewhere, there's this like fantastic like double sunk cost fallacy at play where like you don't want to bin something that you've held on that's like half of a set for ages. Like you, you know, you've held on to it from turn one, so you don't want to bin it. But then you know that, that probably if it hasn't shown up in all the shuffling through the piles so far, someone else might have the other half of the set. <laughs> so you're yeah. stuck with these tiles being like, oh, and it's just that that decision or lack of decision or tension is always very interesting in Mahjong. Yeah, it is. And I think at the end of our third game night, we were really starting to connect with the game on the pretty strategic level that it, it but also subtle level that it demands, um, where uh, you would have, I don't know, you end up almost in conversation with other players where, or with the table in general, where like, if the whole table is discarding, you know, bamboo, which is one of the suits in the game, um, you get this sort of shared idea that bamboo is worthless in this round. And actually that mm. means that it, bamboo becomes better for somebody who is choosing to keep it because everyone's throwing it away. It feels like a totally silent conversation about probability and what people are hoarding. Um, and uh, But it, subtle is really the word there. Um, it, took, <laughs> it took a couple of evenings of Mahjong for me and my friends to start feeling that we were even nibbling around the edges of the strategy. Um, which makes it a peculiar game because on the one hand, it is very luck-based. Like, mm. I think I think you really, Tom, you felt that keenly the first time you played it with me. Am I right? Yeah, the first time we played it, and I think even maybe, I don't know, like for the whole evening, I, I didn't manage to get Anne Mahjong. And it always, <laughs> <laughs> but it always felt like um, the reason that I, I had is I just drew like one of the most awful possible hands where I didn't have any like starter like starter sets if yeah. you will. Um, like I think there's a real like you, you can only take a tile. I might maybe misremembering this rule right, but you can only take a tile if it would complete a set for you. That's, right, that's correct. You yeah, you can't just pinch one, you know, because it would be useful to you. It has to finish a set, so you have to have two to have, then be able to take the third. And I would never have two. <laughs> I would yeah. always be sat there with my like ones of everything, being like, oh, I need to make this into <laughs> something. Um, yeah, and, and so it can be quite dispiriting then when you play for money as well. Um, right, yeah, and we'll get into gambling later because this is one of the things that, that very heavily muddied my ability to do a video on this. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's exactly like you say, it's it's very luck-based and you will just have players going marginal because, oh, they just drew the one in 50 tile that actually would <laughs> let them end the game and boom, it's over. Um, but it, in addition to being luck-based... The strategy, almost everything is is strategic in a very subtle level. Like the probability of trying to collect one tile versus another or choosing to discard one tile versus another. Like people play Mahjong to an excruciatingly high skill level. Um, and that's so opaque uh, when you start playing. It's so subtle. Um, and it's difficult to want to pursue that skill when, you know, I could be really racking my brain to try and play well. And it's probably not going to overcome the luck that that is determining whether I win or lose. Yeah, especially at our level, which was exactly, honestly yeah. like pathetic at times. Just disgusting. Like, I, like <laughs> regularly we would just, well, we were drinking as well, but we would all had moments where we realized we just threw away something that we actually needed or mm. um, or had, or like, the other weird thing is that all of dis uh, Mahjong's discard is face up. So you regularly towards the end of the game might have like 40 face up little pictograms on the table. And I tell you, Tom, the amount of time I'm like impatiently waiting for a, you know, seven of coins 
and I realize it, all of them are on the table and I don't even know how long that's been true for because like it could have been 15 minutes I've been waiting for a tile that, that I knew would, or I should have noticed was never going to come to me. And I, I do think as well that like the fact that, you know, it does sound quite overwhelming when you say there's like loads and loads of tiles on the table, but because they are all so, they are very readable the pictograms yeah. that are on them and the fact that there are such you're dealing with such low numbers of each kind of tile you know there's like four of each or something you know it, yeah. it's not hard to count the table and survey the table and, and very quickly surmise that the chance of getting this is low or very low or impossible and as yeah. the game goes on you do get this really lovely second sense of like well this i need this kind of tile i've got this many of this kind of tile the probability of someone having thrown it away because they realized that they weren't going to get the other half of this equation is probably very high so therefore it's in the wall somewhere and i've got to dig for it yeah it's it's funny isn't it the, what you're sort of describing there is um cuz i met for evening after evening after evening of mahjong and it's very weird to play a game where it's 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 a it's a sixth sense. It's 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 a feeling, you know, because you're dealing with such subtle probabilities and you're dealing with such subtle strategy. And also, like, you know, if you, you're you misplaying because you want to win, you know, sometimes you're pursuing things because they're exciting or, you know, because if you pulled them off, that would be really cool. And then that clashes with, like, so your own desires are something you kind of have to feel out. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting and cool to be playing a game which is more on feel than on, like, you know, like, uh, sort of, obvious mathematical ta tactical strategy Do, is that making sense yeah no that absolutely makes sense and i think that 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 kind of of game really suits what what mahjong is which is this like every time we played it the game was was there it was very present um but mostly you know it's something that's quite pleasant and laid back even when you are like really thinking about the probabilities and the strategies because there's that murkiness to it it kind of means that you can't like go into a sort of analysis paralysis hovel and never come out <laughs> you know it has this sort of very pleasing nature to the components and the pace that kind of sits as a backdrop to like chatting and passing time that i think if you could do more calculation if you could do more thinking and planning that would probably like torpedo your evening um yeah. or you'd be playing it at such a high level that we will probably never reach Yes, no, that is that is true. It's very dispiriting watching how fast people who've been playing Mahjong all their lives play it versus <laughs> us who look like we've, you know, children. We, compared to footage I've seen of people in like Hong Kong playing Mahjong, we looked like a bunch of children who'd been locked in a room with spilled paint and had been inhaling it for, <laughs> for like, you know, hours. Um, we're so slow. We were just so slow. Um, but okay, so yeah, let's talk about that activity nature of it a bit because... The other aspect of Mahjong um, is that, like, one of the reasons that I spent a, a bit of time a few years ago looking into classic card games played with a 52-card deck for Shut Up and Sit Down is because I just wanted to spend more time with cards. Mm. Um, because cards and poker chips are just such aesthetically pleasing objects to play with, um, especially if you've got nice cards and nice poker chips and a nice table to sit around, if, you, if you're that lucky. Um, but And Mahjong is is very much that. You know, mm -hmm. there is something pleasing about four people all sat on each side of a perfectly like square or round table. Yeah. The tiles themselves are like this lovely acrylic. Oh, before we go any further, um, I have to th shout out and thank uh, mastersofgames.com um, because uh, mastersofgames.com, a fine, fine UK shop. They're the people that hooked me up with Go Boards for the Go Review. And they're the people who sent me a whole bunch of Mahjong sets um, uh, for this for this video. And I have opinions on them. 
Um, they sent me a really nice, uh, very, very expensive Italian Mahjong set that I did not like as much as the like 40 or 50 quid, 40, 50 pound uh, set that was imported from, from Asia. So in my deeply limited experience, if you're interested in Mahjong and you want to collect a set because it's a lovely object, um, I would say get a set made in Asia, probably, because surprise, surprise, the, a game that's predominantly popular in Asia has, is, is nicer and high quality if you go with the Asian versions. Um, so did the, uh, did the expensive set not have the little green backs to the tiles? No, yeah, this is the other thing. The really expensive set, the tiles were just uh, white or ivory, you know, mm. shaded. Um, but we much preferred having the two-tone tiles that had like a, a really lush green back and then a yes. white front. It looks more aesthetically pleasing when you build a big square out of them. It's nice. It, it, it looks really good. Anyway, yeah, so that, <laughs> please go to mastersofgames.com and thank them because I, I feel bad because they were like, oh yeah, we'll send you Mahjong sets, but don't, you know, keep them clean. And I'm like, cool. And now one of the Mahjong sets they sent me is full of crisp crumbs. Ah, like, yeah. So, how, wait, but how that, is it full of crisp crumbs? They're like Tom, sleek Tom, tiles that Tom, would it's resist. In the, no, the box that contains the tiles. Um, <laughs> how do they get in there? Do, Tom, we all have to move on. It's in the past. Did like, you use you know, the box as a crisp bowl? Mistakes were made. I don't look. This is ultimately, ultimately. I'm very sad to say this, but the crisp crumbs are not you at my problem anymore because I need to pack these boxes up and send them back to mastersofgames.com. <laughs> Please go to mastersofgames.com for all your. Uh, games that may or may not include my crisp crumbs. See, if it um, were the tiles that were greasy, I'm sure that you could at least, you know, put them in a bag and throw it in the washing machine and it would be fine, right? You, I mean, potentially, potentially don't do anything that Tom or I suggest. in this. Podcast. I think you should do what I suggest. Well, okay. Um, so <laughs> look, unless you're playing with, you know, my addition that is, as we've described, oily and filthy, um, Mahjong's just, yeah, it's exactly what you were saying. It's a really nice object to play with. The tiles are nice to pick up. It's nice to shuffle them. It's nice to build little walls from them. They make a nice noise. Um, and this pairs really well with what Mahjong is, which is this like sedate game of, you know, just drawing and hoping you get the right tile. It's like, it's, you spend so much time in Mahjong drawing tiles and hoping it's what you want that it's almost like half card game, half scratch card. That's, yes. Okay, you agree? Because to me, that feels like a somewhat unflattering depiction of a, of a prestigious would, cultural institution. <laughs> I would put that with the caveat that at the level that we were playing it at, it's a sedate card game or, or a sedate <laughs> tile laying game that feels like a scratch card. I'm sure there Tom, are... any tile game is a card game if you, if you punch it hard enough. So <laughs> you don't need to make that distinction. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you that, yeah, like for certain at the level that we were playing it, there was lots of like, I think that you compared it at times to like pulling the lever on a slot machine when you were like picking up those tiles from the middle. Where yeah. like when we were playing it, when we were sort of unsure of what, certainly what our opponents were going to be spitting out of their hands. Like that was the main thing is that I think if you were playing this game at a higher level, you could somewhat game the ability or, or push your opponents to discard tiles that you might want oh, by yeah. showing your hand in certain ways. Like, did you say that one of your friends was like binning tiles that they actually needed so that other people would feel safe to bin those tiles so that he could then scoop up those tiles and make bigger sets? Yes. I can't remember. That was exactly uh, what he did. Well, I mean, we've we've talked about strategy so far without getting on to where the, where the majority of um, uh, uh, strategy in Mahjong comes from and also difficulties in reviewing it. Um, so should we talk about scoring? Yeah, while you talk about scoring, I actually need to nip to the bathroom so I can sort of let you do that uh, Wait, I'll, be, I don't wanna... I'll be about five minutes. <laughs> I, I'll give you five minutes. 
Uh, uh, Tom's making a joke there based on the fact that this is going to take me five minutes. Joke's on <laughs> him. I think I can get it done in under five minutes. So here we go. Let's go. The problem with... Oh, uh, <laughs> the big problem with... Are you actually going to the bathroom or are you... No, 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 no I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, good. That You know what? That makes me feel better. I prefer talking to you even though you just have to sit there and listen than talking to, <laughs> to silence. Okay, so um, Mahjong has a lot of variants. Um, you know, hang on, let's let's just, let's rather than me trying to imperfectly do this from memory, let's head to mahjong.wikidoc.com to learn all of the rules. So, so when you decide to play Mahjong, the next question is, what Mahjong do you want to play? Do you want to play American, Chinese classical, Chinese official, Hong Kong old style, Hong Kong new style, Japanese classical, Japanese modern, Malaysian, Filipino, Ricci, Korean, Taiwanese, uh, then there's the World Mahjong Federation Overview and the World Series of Mahjong Overview. My goodness. Uh, yeah. Um, and Which did we play? We played classical. Uh, we played Chinese classical. Um, okay. Partially because uh, it was it <laughs> included in the Mahjong set I liked the most, a very <laughs> uh, ambitiously translated flimsy piece of paper that was like how to play Mahjong. <laughs> and it turned out it was describing uh, Chinese classical. Right. Um, so, oh God, um, the problem is that when you are learning Mahjong, while the rules, the, the core rules tend not to vary that much, the, when you finish a round, players then score the, the hand of tiles that they, that they had. And in some variants, like in classical Chinese, which we were playing, um, everyone reveals the value of the hand they had. Um, and then the person, okay, well now we're getting into gambling. You see this, this, this stuff is, uh. Oh boy, um, this is this is one of the reasons I had trouble doing a review. So let's let's stick a pin in which version of Mahjong you're playing because when you're deciding which version of Mahjong to play, you also, as part of that, have to decide whether you're playing for money or not. And this mm -hmm. really slipped me up. This it, it, when I came to write the video review because I know that playing games for money. I, I know two things, Tom. First off, oh, let's call it three things. First off. A lot of people really dislike gambling out there, and for good reason. Gambling has horrific, or can have horrific and addictive qualities to, on the human brain. It can wreck lives. I have done a video for my other channel, People Make Games, where I looked at um, uh, some online casinos and spoke to gambling addicts. It's horrific stuff. Right. So I know that. I also know uh, that playing games for money makes them feel very different. Um, yes. People who have not um, gambled for money... Um, or who choose not to, um, might not be aware of this, but for people like myself who have, on like a couple of dozen occasions across my whole life, you know, chosen to play games for small stakes, you know, money, um, if you, you might not know that if you play poker not for money, it just feels completely different than if you play it for money, even if you're playing for small stakes. Um, the game is infused with kind of a desperation and a seriousness and a tension, um, which doesn't just make it like more hardcore. In some cases, it makes it funnier mm. um, because like, even if you're just playing to have fun, playing for money can make a game funnier because it means someone doing really badly in a round is more entertaining for everybody. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I, it's, it's peculiar, right? But Tom, what would you say to my notion that Playing games for money isn't about trying to win money from your friends. It's about the spectacle of somebody losing money, and that's funny and provides relief for everybody. <laughs> yeah, and and I I agree with that. So long as everyone is genuinely comfortable with losing the the, the full amount of money that you have set out. So we yes. played for like five pounds, right? Yeah, uh, or or something like that. And then someone losing a, a a fiver on anything is is just is in in that circumstance with those people. 
was funny, but it yeah. becomes obviously awkward if someone if five pounds means more to someone, um, yeah. or if five pounds is something that like would be an upsetting amount of money to lose. For us, it was like we all I essentially came to that event uh, to the to our mahjong night being like I've spent five pounds to be here, um, and <laughs> yeah. believe it or not. I did spend five pounds to be here. There was something so incredibly funny about it. So the first time, I think I lost all of my money or near about all of my money. And the second time that me, that me and you played, I did win some money and I got a bank transfer from you. I was going to post this to Twitter. <laughs> I got a bank transfer from Quinn's that was like probably the, the lowest amount I've had individually transferred. It was like a pound and 34 pence <laughs> Mahjong winnings. I think, uh, yeah, I said that with the with the bank reference Mahjong winnings. Yeah, I think I, I, think, I, think I sent Annie like 60p in a wire transfer. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay. And then the, th so the third thing, however, I know about gambling is that it really splits Shut Up and Sit Down's audience down the middle. We have sure. a lot of people who see absolutely nothing wrong with gambling occasionally and think it's fun or don't care. And we have a lot of people who are very vigorously opposed to it. Um, mm -hmm. This then makes doing a video of Mahjong complicated because it originated as a gambling game. The reason it has been eroded from history by successive Chinese governments is because um, it's it's used to gamble money. And while, you know, all the rules you'll find online don't refer to money, and actually, this is very confusing, but there's a lot of quite exhaustive resources online that talk about um, how to play Mahjong. Um, and then if, if you want to know, okay, but how does this translate to winning and losing money? It's so hard to find that out. Um, and right. you have to, like, I ended up on like weird subreddits of like, okay, but how do I play Chinese classical for money? Because I know that that is kind of for many people the default that, you know, you show up to your Mahjong evening, you win or lose a little bit, and you do that every week. Mm -hmm. um, so we did play Mahjong for money. And then I just didn't want to have to try and negotiate this in a video review where already I was, I'm trying to be like really minimalist with my word count. With a podcast, I feel like I, I can ramble more. Sure. Um, so anyway, right. So that's that's our separate discussion about gambling. I felt that playing Mahjong not for money wouldn't really let me do an adequate review. But I also felt that talking about how, oh, I just played this game for money was going to alienate a lot of our audience um, mm -hmm, in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. So anyway, once you've decided whether you're playing Mahjong for money or not, let's return to that question of which variant you are playing in terms of scoring and rules. You know, whether it's Chinese classical or, you know, Ricci or, or whatever. Um, long story short, I don't know. Um, I just know that I gravitated towards ones that were simpler, but broadly speaking, none of them are simple. Um, I was told <laughs> to look at Hong Kong old style by some people, but the amount of lists, you know what? Let me just jump to a list of uh, a list of hands that you'd have to learn to play Hong Kong old style. Right, okay, I've got the list in front of me. You know how poker has like flushes and straights and a full house, right? But there's only really like five or six. Um, in 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 Hong Kong All-Star Mahjong, there's something like seven or eight times that. You know, you've got the 13 <laughs> Orphans, which is a hand made of uh, all single tiles and uh, the terminals, which is the one and nine of each of the suits. There's nine gates, which is a concealed hand of one, 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 two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, nine in one suit. Oh my you know, God. there's big four wins, which is three of a kind of all four of the wins in the game. Uh -huh. um, you know, there's uh, there's the full flush, which a hand consists only of a suit of tiles of one suit. Like, if I was to print out, like, you couldn't fit all this on a reference card. I would need to mm -hmm, pr print mm -hmm. you out, print this out for you on a double-sided piece of A4. Um, so I chose to do, yeah, we ended up playing Chinese classical scoring, which is simpler because you don't have to memorize hands. And I ended up liking it because of the doubling rules in it. 
um, which is something I've not seen um, in any game before. But loosely speaking, um, with Chinese classical scoring, you have all kinds of things that can double your score. So you add up roughly what score you've got from your from your various melds and, and runs and stuff. Um, but then if you have, for example, three of a kind of the, oh goodness, the wind, which is like north, south, east, west, relating to where you are sitting, then mm-hmm. you can double your score. If you have three dragons, you can double your score. You know, if you have um, if you have a hand that is all one suit, so all bamboo, for example, then you double your score three times. But that's not like it's not like if you have two, you it's two plus two plus two. I mean, it's like if you had a hand of thirty, you would double it to sixty. Then you would double sixty to one hundred and twenty. Then you would double one hundred and twenty to two hundred forty. Um, and this <laughs> this ends up if it, like if you're not playing mahjong for money, then this can be like really dispiriting because if someone gets a really good hand then uh, that just means that probably none of you are going to get a higher score than them, right? If you're just playing mm-hmm. Mahjong for points. But if you're playing for money, that becomes hilarious because you showed up thinking you might lose a few quid and then suddenly someone pulled off the, you know, once in a year of weekly Mahjong nights, Mahjong hand, and suddenly you're all <laughs> like, oh, we all owe you 15 pounds. Um, so, uh, and then one other kind of, however... While I was told to play Hong Kong Old Star because it's very popular, and I ended up playing Chinese Classical because I like the doubling rules, I did find a, a Board Game Geek thread, God bless you, Board Game Geek, um, in which <laughs> somebody who played a few different popular styles of Mahjong said that the style that he would recommend for uh, newcomers is Zung uh, Jung, which is also known as the World Series of Mahjong Overview, which he felt had the best aspects of like accessibility and easy to learn, mm. while also being like the fairest. Because one thing that, um, it, by fairest, I mean it more emphasizes skill um, than it does uh, luck and that slot yes. machine nature that Mahjong can have, which was, God, that was a whole long ramble. Um, but you can see how this uh, this got in the way of me doing a video review, right, Tom? Because yeah. I, I, I like it's a review of mahjong. I mean, it's like okay, but which mahjong and why? And yes. I, I couldn't answer that. And then, but even trying to answer that immediately got me tucked into the question of, well, are you are you playing it as a skill game or a gambling game? Which forced me to like try and square the circle of like, well, how do I please? the members of Shut Up, Sit Down audience who are going to be upset by gambling, while also wanting to like honor Mahjong as a historic object where it is fundamentally and more often than not played for a little bit of money. Yeah, and, and I think also like, I think that you were quite apt um, during the process you were saying, it's like reviewing all of poker. Um, <laughs> you know, like every single possible variant of poker. And and you're, and you're right that like, I'm I'm sure that, because what we played with all of the doubling rules and stuff, did lead to a game that I'm sure other variants of Mahjong might not be, you know, they're going to be different to, to, to how we played it. And how we played it was definitely a game where you could show me my hand and I'd look at it and be like, eh, I can't quite work out how many points this is worth because so many things double oh, and yeah. so many things change your score and what's worth what is 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 something that's quite hard to grasp, especially as a newcomer. Like it's, it's definitely telling that during your sort of teach of Mahjong, the scoring definitely was the part that took the longest to explain. Yes. Um, and, and every single round would end with, 
that little tiny leaflet like propped open and going through each of our scores. Like no one could work out their score on their own. They all needed, you know, Papa Quinn's to come over and tell <laughs> and tell them what they'd made. And tell you how much money lost. you had you were going to now give to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There were there were some really funny rounds where you would come around and be like, right, so Tom, you've got da 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 and you've got a score of, I don't know, like fifty or sixty or something like that. I don't know. And I'd be like, oh, that seems pretty good. And you're like, yeah, sure. And then later on you'd be like, right. And he got a score of 290. <laughs> you, you all owe her loads and loads of money. Yeah, I also really liked how in Chinese classical scoring, and you don't get this with Hong Kong old style or Zhang Zhang, you only pay money to the person who goes mahjong. Like whatever hand you've ah. got, if, if you didn't mahjong, it's irrelevant because you're just all the all the points or money is flowing to the person who went mahjong. Um, which means it's a it's a more aggressive game because you just have to go mahjong and giving up a tile that lets someone else win the game is is just awful. Whereas we played in Chinese classical scoring, the thing that the person who goes mahjong, everyone pays them money or points, um, and then they're not included in what happens next, which is all the three surviving players, all the three remaining players have to pay one another the difference between their scores. So yes. in some rounds, you would see someone like revealing melds of like, oh, I've got three dragons. Oh, I've got four of my you know prevalent wind. And then it becomes like, oh God, their score is going to be doubled into the stratosphere. I need to go Mahjong just to get out of the scoring that's going to happen between <laughs> the players who are left behind like after the rapture. Yes. And who are just left stuck on the table counting their pennies to pay one another. We should also talk about, um, I don't know whether this is specific to the variant that we played or whether it's something that's across all of Mahjong, but the absolutely absurd rule where if you win a round, if you're the dealer or, or, or the first player I and you win a round, you just, play, you just play another round with you as the dealer and you get more points if you Mahjong, right, as dealer? I wanted um, to bring this up because it's one of my favorite things. Yes, so an, <laughs> a, a game of Mahjong, such as it is, is everybody takes a turn beating the dealer. So four people, yes. you know, if 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 you if you're good at mahjong, that maybe takes an hour. For us, it takes all evening. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yes, if you win as the dealer, you stay as the dealer and play another game. So like, oh goodness. Um, so there's four so of your, you. So your hour long game has now become an hour and a quarter, or your evening long game has now become an evening and a quarter. <laughs> yeah, and and something. And not, I don't think board games as a hobby should should take that. But one thing I did really like in Mahjong is that, as you say, the dealer, um, when you are the dealer, if you win, you win double from everybody else. But if you mm-hmm. lose, you pay double. So oh, yeah. everyone in our evening of Mahjong had one round, which was just more intense for them. And I loved that rhythm. Mm. I loved it. I loved the... I love card games in general where it's like, this is a small game, but we're going to play it four times and add our scores together. A lot of oink games do that. A lot of classic card games do that. Small games do that, basically, where it's like, yes, this is a 15 minute game and it's not going to feel like enough by itself. So we're going to repeat it. I love that Mahjong says, we're going to repeat this, but for each of you, you will ran, you know, you'll quasi randomly just have a round that's more important and more intense for you where your mistakes <laughs> will be worse. And if you get lucky, it'll be even better. I think that's so cool. Um, uh, and one thing I'll mention is one of the, I, I believe it's in Hong Kong old style. One of the things that can happen in Hong Kong old style is if the dealer wins 13 times in a row, they get an automatic 14th win. Um, <laughs> which is like, Hong Kong, like a lot of Mahjong scoring is full of stuff that is annoying to teach because it's so improbable that mm. it's like, I, I have to now teach you about six different hands that I, I would put my life savings on. No one will get. You know, um, it, 
Yeah, because it reminds me when you talk about those things, when you talk about like sort of the 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 orphans and the gates and all of that stuff from from the other scoring things, it reminds me of that um uh incredibly silly pub game, Egyptian Rat Screw, where the point is that you'll forget what hands you can like sort of <laughs> smack down on. It's it, I don't know how to explain it to, to people who haven't seen that little video, but it's it's very much this sort of fast paced slamming card game that kind of has more in common with Snap than it does anything else, but it's absolutely delightful. Um, is, is, but, did you play the version of Egyptian Rap Screw where you have to slap your forehead before you slap oh, the yes. table? <laughs> oh yes, it's, it's incredibly funny to have because ah, oh, this is this is now just a, a you know Egyptian Rap Screw aside about how much I bloody love that game where because everyone is so fierce in trying to slap the pile as quickly as possible to win the round uh, or, or win the hand or whatever. When you then introduce the rule, they have to slap their head first. They're doing it at <laughs> such a speed. <laughs> But everyone at the end of the night has these perfect round red marks on their forehead. And you know, it's funny if someone slaps their head and then slaps the pile, but it's funnier if everyone slaps their own head and then doesn't quite make it to the pile in time. It just feels like they've slapped <laughs> themselves in the face for no reason. That's great. Oh, That's great. What a game. Well, this was this is this is the thing about um classic games, isn't it? That it's I think, you know, people on the internet can be kind of disappointed when Shut Up Is It Down, you know, rather than covering whatever new hot game that everyone's talking about, we go back into into history times and we take mm. games that people were playing in the 80s, like Egyptian Ratsuru, or 200 years ago, like Mahjong. Um, but the reason we do it, and I had a whole aside on this in the Mahjong review, is that um, if a game has been kept in the public consciousness for that long, like if... that it, It's because if a... If a game is kept on life support in that way by by people who just love it, um, there's something to it. Like yeah. you and if you and with Mahjong, like I discovered what there is to it. It's a tremendously subtle game. It's tactile. It's satisfying, and it's a gam. It's the gambling game I found with the most potential for just wild stuff happening. Like mm. um, you know, you you can have poker hands that like oh wow that was pretty crazy. But Mahjong has hands that are like just stratospherically unlikely. And if they do happen, you can get like a squillion dollars from your friends, which is, <laughs> a, I don't know, is that good? I don't know, but it's interesting. I definitely think that it's um, a really, it's unique though to me where I think whilst we played Crocodile, went back and we played some Crocodile, went back and we played some Go. And both of those games, I could sort of like view through a lens of like modern board games that I enjoy and I could put them in a sort of similar spot to them mahjong is is a very strange one because it's a very different mode of engagement like with the systems do you know what yes. i mean yeah it's like you're right that it's tremendously subtle but it's also like it's so different to a lot of the other like classic you know quote-unquote game games where we're playing these things that are much more like you know there's something that you're kind of plugging into the strategy of the the, the sort of myopic nature myopic nature of, of trying to work out what the hell i was doing in mahjong was like a really interesting puzzle in and of itself and you're right that because it stuck around for so long you're more invested in thinking about that puzzle you know i i, I always i would wonder if we got a sort of boxed copy of mahjong under a different name whether we would be dismissive of it but because we know that it's stuck around for this long it does lend a sort of automatic sort of excitement to to see why people are still talking about it all these years later. Yes, absolutely. Um, um I, the fact that it's a historical object means I treat it very differently. And actually this is a perfect point to end the podcast on because this is the last thing I wanted to talk about. Um un if someone was to release Egyptian Rat Screw or, you know, go today as a game, I think they would yeah. do very well. And I just don't know if that's true for Mahjong. 
But that is not necessarily a reason to not go out and try it, because the fact that Mahjong is this rich historical object meant I really enjoyed engaging with all of its idiosyncrasies because I knew they were like, I don't know, like it's if some if I went to <laughs> this is a this is a this is a horrific analogy, and I apologize to to everybody who hears it. Both English and people in East Asia. But um, if I went to a, a historic English folk festival and someone was like, do you want to learn Morris dancing? I would be like, yes, give me that big wooden stick. I'm involved. I want to learn about this bizarre pagan ritual that has been going on for a thousand years or longer. Um, and But if so, if I went to just somebody's house and he was like, Quinns, I've invented this sick new dance. Take this stick. I'm going to teach it to you. I would be like, no, absolutely not. There's, that's that's. I'm not going to dance in your garage with you. Put that stick down. I'm intimidated, and this is awful. Um, yeah. And so mahjong, if it was released now as a box product, I would be like, no, this is demented. I don't want to play this. It's there's a million things I would rather play. But as a historical artifact, um, I found it so interesting to engage with. Like I so and the thing I wanted to flag specifically, the example is that I found out after two full evenings of Mahjong that like, okay, there are tiles in the game that relate to north, south, east, and west. The dealer is always east. And so depending on where you're sat on the table, the compass direction tiles relating to where you are sitting are better. Mm. And so we had players be like, wait, oh, okay, if Tom's the dealer, that means I'm uh, never eat shredded wheat, I'm west. Um, <laughs> but then what I found out is that in Mahjong, um, it's based on a, a, a classical Chinese interpretation of of compass directions, which is based on looking up at the stars rather than considering the compass as if you were looking down at the earth, which oh, means wow. the compass is flipped. So it go it's not north, east, south, west. It's northwest, southeast. Uh-huh. And I found that and like if if you released Mahjong as a box game, I would be like, that alone would cause me to frisbee it out the window. Um <laughs> but but knowing that it's I'm engaging with like, you know, like part of historic Chinese and sometimes even Confucian history. I think this is awesome. I'm fascinated. Mm. It's so cool. But is ultimately, and the reason we're doing this as a podcast rather than a video, I was not comfortable releasing a video where I said, Mahjong is cool kind of as a historical object that I can't access because of my mayonnaise white background. And it's it's just not something I grew up around. It's not something I understand. It's so much of it's based on stuff that I have absolutely no... um, uh, sort of like touch point with. Um, so all I could really say is, you know, do, do I like it as a game? And ultimately, just as a game, if you're not interested in the history, I would say maybe you could try Mahjong, but I I, I don't really know if it's for you. I think, because you, you, and you felt the same way, right? You, you didn't truly love it as a game. You found it interesting, but you didn't. Yeah, right? no, I think I think that's pretty much right in that I think like I I think I really didn't I came away from our first session really not liking it. But then I think the second time we played it, I'd sort of kind of was sort of coming to terms with what it was rather than what I sort of expected it to be. Um yeah. and, and that second time I sort of enjoyed it much more for what for what it is and, and for what it exists as. But yeah, I do think that it's a it's an especially strange question to sort of pitch to a kind of our audience, certainly by being like hey do you want to play uh this 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 game question mark it's very 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 luck driven sedate slow and confusing <laughs> but <laughs> but it's been around for ages so question mark question mark question mark i don't know like it's i i would struggle to find a spot for this game in sort of like i was thinking when would i choose it over like 
something else that has a bit more like bite to the design of it. And I think, I don't know, like I was trying to think, would I ever introduce this, like, for example, to my family? Because it has that pace of like a game that we can talk over. We we really like Rummy Cub. Like, my family is obsessed with Rummy Cub. They love that game. And Mahjong is just, it's because of all of that history and because of all those variants and because of all that time it's been out there. It's so heavy with all of these like rules and traditions that it's quite inaccessible. Um, and then you did a very good job of teaching yeah. it and getting us into it. But even some of the tutorials online that I watched were like not really quite I didn't quite understand the game even after watching tutorials. And you're, you maybe you're right. It's because the gambling element isn't there. And it's because they don't say, hey, straight up when you're learning this game, there's going to be a lot of luck involved. <laughs> mm, um, mm, mm. If, and yeah, if, make, it makes it a hard sell for like a, a an audience used to designer board games, I guess. Yeah. And I, I felt ultimately that, you know, even aside from all the gambling and, and how complicated um, the game is to teach, I think that maybe more than any other, the reason I didn't want to do a video on this was I didn't feel comfortable putting it in front. I wanted to be delicate about this game, right? Because, you know, it's sure. not my culture, it's not my history. Um, yeah. But equally, I didn't feel I could review it without being like, ultimately as a game, I don't think it's as good as some other historic gambling games, you know, like poker and... Uh, I, I would rather play poker, I would rather play, you know, bourree, I would rather play, I don't know, if, if we're talking about I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I would rather play, but um, sure. I, I, I didn't feel comfortable being critical of Mahjong and I didn't f because of, because it's not my culture and I didn't feel comfortable not being critical of it because that's what you go to a shut up and sit down video for. So I just thought, you know what? And I called you up and said, Tom, I'm not going to put out a video of Mahjong. Sorry. The content calendar is screwy. I'm just going to ramble about Mahjong <laughs> with you on a podcast <laughs> for, you know, coming up on an hour. Uh, I really, really appreciate you uh, you letting you sort of letting me out of the um, the the sort of critics cavern that I'd locked myself in by accident. And now I'm yeah, free. no, I've sort of you know I guess I've done you a, a service here by by you know sort of hosting hosting you on on this here podcast that that I make. Um, Thanks, uh, Thanks. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Um, where can people find you on social media? No, um, <laughs> can I, I just? Gonna... Can I, I? I really, really cannot stress uh, how the the what the people who've really come out worst in this, aside from Mahjong fans, are um, mastersofgames.com uh, because they were like, <laughs> "Yes, we will send you a box full of uh, incredibly expensive Mahjong equipment." Um, and then I said, "Cool, I'll give you a link in the video." Now there's no video. There's no video. Uh... So if you're in the UK or Europe, why not go to mastersofgames.com and see all the bizarre, fascinating, historical wooden stuff they've got on that site. My goodness, if I needed a, a wooden game that I didn't know how to play, mastersofgames.com is where I'd go for it. <laughs> I really do like them as a UK stalker of historic games, and I feel really bad that didn't get them a link. So if you want to make me feel better, why not visit mastersofgames.com? Yeah, and use the code... Quintin 10. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, Tom, don't make this. Don't, I'm trying to be nice here and you're making it sound like I've got a financial stake in mastersofgames.com and I don't. I don't. I just feel bad for them because I got crisps in their game and I, <laughs> and maybe I didn't even do it. Find maybe, a new home for it. Could have been you and your, 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 your young friends who were all sort of giggling and flinging crisps everywhere. Yeah, that, like, that is what we did. We turned up with our giant bag of skips and we just threw them all over your apartment. Dude, I, I don't know. I don't know what the joke is there because that's that's very close to what actually happened. I <laughs> saw you up at the table making those drinks and making a real mess. So if those tiles are sticky, it's because you got like Cuba Libre. Is it Cuba Libre? Is that, <laughs> no, that's a board it's, game. It's a, it's a rub. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> look I feel I feel uh, accused that I don't like this. Hey, but I'll tell you what. Went up on the site this week. 
instead of a review of Mahjong, because I couldn't review Mahjong, it's my review of Alice is Missing. Uh, Tom, have you watched it yet? I haven't watched it, no. Because, Why I mean, haven't well, you watched it? You, you know, we're recording this before I, you know, we'll, we'll see if it comes out, because, Quinns, you said, Tom, can you watch it and make sure there's no errors in the video? And so I've got to make sure there's no errors in the video, but you're going away today. So maybe if there's errors in the video, it won't even be up by the time oh. this podcast goes out. Oh, that's no, I, that, I, I, I refuse to believe that. I really so if think there's no Alice is no. Missing video, it's because Quinn's goosed it. Oh, this, 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 this podcast in particular is really not good for my brand. As, yeah, it's um, representing all your various failures. And I've got a bone to pick with you because you told all the listeners about that time that you came around and I tried to teach you my dance in my garage. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a callback to a joke we made about 20 minutes ago. That's a good <laughs> amount of time to have passed before, uh, before doing that joke. I'm uh, a professional. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back with a game that's less culturally complicated than Mahjong next week. That's right, it's time to talk about Monopoly. See you later, bye! Oh no. Oh no.